0: Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie.
1: Welcome back to House Calls. This is the month of August. Can you believe it's August already? Where? You know, actually, uh, this year hasn't gone by fast enough, but we're, we're grateful to have August as we're sitting here in studio. And I keep hoping we get some rain here in Arizona because we've been hitting a lot of those high temperatures as well as the rest of the country. So I hope you're in a nice, cool place to listen into to our show today. I always start off with my honorable mentions. I like to start off with happy news, such as birthdays and what who comes to mind is my younger sister, Lori, who's having her birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Lori. And as I think about birthdays, one of my friends shared with me online a video that talked about attitudes about aging. And I think the older we get, <clears throat> the more concerned we are about, quote, aging and having birthdays. And I think our attitudes about aging influence how we what the words we use about aging, about our birthdays. So I'll give you an example. When we're little kids, and if you ask somebody how old you are, like my little granddaughter, Addie, she just turned five. Addie's five, and she's really proud of it. My grandson, Alex, well, he's three and a half, almost four. And then baby Aubrey, well, she's 20 months. You don't say two years. You say 20 months. And then as they get older, each birthday comes, we cheer when they hit 21. There it is. is. Become 21. Then we get through our 20s, and then we get sort of depressed when we turn 30, right? When they use the words turn 30 like milk turning Mm -hmm. sour. After our 30s, we are pushing 40, right? The visual, you're pushing 40 over the hill. You get through the 40s and we reach 50. So we get through 40, we reach 50. We survive the 50s and we make it to 60. There it is, making it to 60. Then if we're fortunate, we live into through our 60s, we hit 70. Then we get past 70, we get into our 80s. Then, ta-da, you make it to 100, right? You make it to 100. That's a big deal. I have several patients. Actually, my oldest patient lived to 102. I've got several who are on the brink of 100. But when they make 100, they're super proud. They made it this far, and that's when the fractions count again. I'm 102 months, I'm 100 and a half, I'm 100 and, you know, almost 101. So every, every little moment counts as they reach that 100. So, so I think of every birthday as a gift, and really every day you have is a gift. So as you look at that, as I look at aging and I look at my sister's birthday and I think of happy things as birthdays, I like to interview older people, the elders, and there's a lot of books about the wisdom of the elders that we can derive about lessons in life, and, and these are some of the, the advice they give from the, the world's, uh, America's oldest people, right? The oldest of the old. Number one, they talk about don't look at numbers. You Don't focus on your age, your weight, your height. They say, let your doctors worry about that. That's why you hired them, right? Don't worry about that. The second is, and I really believe this, surround yourself with cheerful friends with people with positive, good energy. Don't hang around negative energy people. They'll drag you down, that pull the energy, bring you down. You don't want those people. Keep learning. Number three is keep learning. Be a lifelong learner. Keep your brain active. Number four, enjoy the simple things in life, the great outdoors, the sky, the clouds, the breeze, nature, music, art. Enjoy those things. They're free. Number five, it's the Medicine, the best medicine is laughter. Medicine's good for you, but laughter is better. Laugh often, laugh, hearty and ha- laugh hard. That's nothing, there's nothing like a good laugh with friends. Number six, when we get sad, let the tears flow. Life is about changes and endings, as we realized in our previous show with David Rico about the five true things. So it's okay to cry. It's okay to weep. Endure, grieve, and then move on. The only person we have for the rest of our life to live with is really ourselves. So the advice they give is be alive when you're alive. Learn to love being by yourself and I see that in several of my friends who are struggling with life changes such as separation and divorce and some of my female friends who've always had a partner in their life are now alone and and they struggle being alone. I said, you've got to learn to enjoy being by yourself, you've got to learn to like yourself that you don't need somebody else to validate you. You validate you. And one of the things I realized in widowhood is the big challenge is going from we, the two of us, to me. And it is not only lonely physically, but it's lonely as a state of mind. How do I learn to say farewell to we and to embrace me by myself? enjoying being by myself, living in my own space, making my own decisions, without having to bounce them off another partner or another human being in the house. So that's really a, a journey right now. Number seven is surround yourself with those things that you love. And I think that'll tie into our show today with our guests. Surrounding yourself with an environment that supports and inspires you and, and nourishes you, and you know, such as your family, your friends, pictures, keepsake, music, art hobbies. For me, it's dresses, jewelry, shopping, laughter. You know, we all have our different things that make us happy, but surround yourself with that. I always call it that you look for these pockets of joy throughout the day. And if you can surround yourself in a place you live and sleep in that make you happy, that's a great thing. The eighth word word of advice from the elders is take care of yourself. Your health is your wealth. If it's good, preserve it. If it's unstable, improve it. If it's beyond what you can improve, get professional help. The ninth one is about taking trips. Don't do guilt trips, right? Don't do the guilt trip thing. Take a trip outdoors, go for a hike, go exercise, go visit friends, go travel when you can. Don't do guilt. Don't do that anymore. And the tenth word of advice from our elders is tell the people who you love that you love them every chance you get. You don't know when you're gonna see them again if you ever do see them again. So every phone call, every visit with friends who you really love, tell them that. Don't wait till their funeral to stand there and give their eulogy and say, well, I really love that person. Tell them while they're alive. Tell them how important they are. It really goes a long way. I look at this month, the last month, and I've also had to say farewell to several people. Uh, My sister-in-law Valerie's mother Gwen passed away August 5th. She was 92. She was the mother of nine children. She was the grandmother of many children, and she had a great-grandson who was born on the day of her funeral, which was amazing. She died at home. She was surrounded by her children. She had a peaceful death, and she's been reunited with her husband, so they're together. I also had to say farewell via Zoom to my former White House friend and buddy, Staff Sergeant, retired Glenn Powell, who had been on our show a couple years ago when we talked about his book, The Last Baggage Call on Air Force One. And Glenn was an amazing Army veteran. He was in charge of the bags. And uh, when we were at the White House, with baggage call. But he was responsible for our luggage, our equipment that we would travel overseas and on domestic trips. That was vital, it was so important. But I remember we travel around the world with him, and he had such a positive attitude, a great sense of humor, had an incredible laugh, and was such a dear friend. And he passed July 26 suddenly. And our condolences to his wife, Rhonda, who's also an Army veteran, and their two sons. He was married 32 years. So if they're listening in, you know, God bless you, Glenn, such a great guy. So what are my observations this past month as the pandemic continues? You look at us now, and I I look back because it's been five months since it started, and I just had my friend's visit from Washington State who I hadn't seen since the pandemic started, and how our lives have changed in the last five months. You look at how everything's been impacted. And somebody observed on social media that if you can recover from this time, you usually do it in one of four ways. And they used it rhyming. As you, you, re, you recover as a monk, a chunk, a hunk, or a drunk. So hopefully, rather than become a chunk, where you gain the COVID-15 pounds, you use this time to focus on being healthy, exercise, and become the healthy hunk that everybody aspires to. And there are people out there, I know, they said, I took this pandemic to get healthy, I'm not gonna gain weight, I'm gonna exercise, I'm gonna focus on it. Do this for yourself because the best way to fight any infection or illness is to build resilience, is to make sure you remain healthy so you can withstand infection. So what's happened in our lives with this pandemic We've been forced to shelter in. We've been forced into our homes. We don't go to the office anymore. Our homes have used to be our castles, but now they are our workshop. Typically about 24% of the workforce has worked from home. Since the pandemic, at least 31%, I would suspect that is higher, at least 31% of people who didn't work from home do so now. So when they've surveyed everybody who's working from home, Many of those who now work from home would say they would continue to do so. So look what a big change that it's been. You don't get in the car, go to the office, you stay home. And you've now become working out of the home, making your home your workplace. So most workers who are at home will return to the office once the pandemic is over. But again, a lot of them discover they're a lot happier, more productive, or both working remotely at least part of the time. Because of the pandemic, 62% of hiring managers surveyed by Upwork, which is an online freelancing platform, expect more of the workforce to re- to work remotely from home from now on. So big changes. And I look at, in my personal life, among my sons who are in their early 30s, my oldest son works for McKesson, which is an American company distributing pharmaceuticals. And I think they just got the contract for the, the COVID vaccine. So kudos to them. Big company distributes medical supplies, technology, health management tools. Uh, my son has worked as a project manager, as customer support manager uh, from home since March, and he's going to do so until next year. He gets up early. He does Zoom calls from his home office. He's married to wife Erin. They have three kids and just makes it happen. He's always working. My youngest son, Jason, who got married in July... He started his new marketing job with General Mills. He started three weeks ago. Day one on the job, he is in his apartment in Minneapolis in his home office. He bought a new desk, a chair, and he put on a blue blazer, and he Zoomed and got to meet the team. His boss was uh, Zooming in from um, Berkeley, and everybody else was scattered throughout Minnesota, so that was the beginning of his job. For me, i have been working remote from my home for at least three months, and that. For past couple of months, i go into the office, usually in, on the mornings, and with full protective gear uh, would see patients. It's it's a challenge because I like to touch people, hug people. I can't do that unless I've got gloves and full protective gear. So it's been a challenge, but I've actually gotten to like working from my home. I've, I've had my home office, I've got a new chair to support my back, I've got beautiful views up north. I love the sunlight. I get up early and I'm at the computer right away. As long as I have good internet access, I'm, I'm doing well, but the environment's important and I really like it. I, I make a routine of it. So we talk about the workplace and, and what it's done for us and it's really changed in a lot of ways. It's, it's a paradigm shift for all of us, especially for me where I used to think if I don't see you in my office, how do I know you're really working, right? Out of sight, out of mind. And there are several of us who are old school, you know, you're not working until I see you, but we're finding out that people work four hours more from home, if they work from home, than they do in their office. Because if you tally up the time it takes to get dressed, get in the car, drive to work, you know, chit-chat with everybody, take a break, socialize, get up, get interrupted, that's about four hours. So if I get up early at 6, I'm nonstop on the computer, I respond right away, I can be available for calls, especially for people like me who are on call 24-7. It's easy, but I just think of how much dry cleaning I'm saving. I don't use gasoline. Uh, you know, I, I can cook from home. Think of all the money I'm saving without that. So it's really a change in how our viewpoint is about working, because people are working from home. There's a new book that was written by Laura Vanderkam entitled The New Corner Office, How the Most Successful People Work from Home. And these are the couple of the pearls that I derived from that book. It's not the location that turns a high-flying worker into a delinquent. Uh, the author studied the productivity habits of go-getters at the secret of getting ahead. And whether you're working at home or in an office, they found that the secret is to prioritize what is important. So it isn't your location. If you're going to overachieve and strive, you're going to do it no matter where you are. You're going to take it with you. There is a challenge for those who have children, uh, especially people I know who are single parents who are raising their kids at home, and the kids are uh, can't go to school. They're they're remote working. You know, they're they're actually going to school at home. Who have to supervise the kids, but it's worked out for them to keep their job, to support their family, and to also be there for the kids. But that's a lot of work. It's still I have. Several friends who can't wait for their kids to go to school so they can get some time to focus on their adult work. But again, it's, it's hard uh, trying to manage all that. And there, kudos to teachers because it takes a special person to be a teacher. So we look at that and, and just the challenges, but all it goes back to is home. What does home look like for you? What is your environment that it's going to be? So we're going to take a little pause right now. And then uh, for our commercial break, we'll come back and I'll introduce you to our special guest in studio, Barbara Kaplan. So stay tuned on House Calls for more about room and Zoom and how to make your home, your sanctuary and your special place to work and to live. So stay tuned for more on House Calls.
2: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america who's your doctor when i was looking for a doctor i thought which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed well the answer was obvious who looks after the president of the united states
4: Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Um,
0: are tuned in to house calls with former white house physician dr connie mariano if you have a question or comment for our show today please call in to one 346 9141 that's one 346 9141 you may also send an email to dr connie radio at gmail.com that's dr connie radio at gmail.com now back to house calls with dr connie
1: Welcome back. I hope you're all in a comfortable, beautiful place at home, at work, which nowadays is the same thing, right? So we have a special show today, which is very relevant to our current life arrangement, where the majority of people are finding themselves working from home. So at what point does home begin, work begins, or is that just, you know, you meld them together? So our special guest in studio is somebody who I consider a guru a wise sage person who really looks at design in a very spiritual, very holistic way, which I think is wonderful. Uh, Our special guest is Barbara Kaplan. I'm going to share with you her bio and also about her book, which I encourage everybody to get a copy. Barbara is a pioneer in the interior design world. She embraces and combines beauty, wellness, and lifestyle. She encourages people to create personalized home and workspaces that express their own identity so they can live happy and productive lives filled with beauty, comfort, and good health. Truly a holistic style to interior design, right? She has helped thousands of people open their minds and their souls to discover and celebrate their authentic selves. The true interior design in all their environments. What is that, great? Barbara has developed this interior design approach that she shares in her book, The Bajaro Method, Rooms Have No Feelings, You Do. She also created your Zoom room. Here she helps people be seen in their best and authentic way, especially as people are teleconferencing more and more these days, right? The screen doesn't lie, says Barbara, who carefully evaluates the best background Physical appearance, effective techniques, and overall message so people can be a worry-free star. Now, how many of you watch TV, somebody's on TV, and you're seeing something behind them, and you're distracted, right? What's on their shelf? What's that? Or you're doing a Zoom conference, and you're totally distracted. You're not even paying attention to the person. So Barbara is an expert to advise people on that. Barbara Kaplan also promotes the best of the best companies in design and lifestyle through an online resource directory called Barbara's Picks, which I've read. This is amazing. I've gotten some good, good advice from her. And she's a lifestyle editor for Trends Magazine. Her websites, which we mentioned, I think, online are barbaracaplin.com, bajaromethod.com, barbaraspicks.com, and your zoomroom.com. So welcome, Barbara. Thanks for being on our show. Thank you, Dr. Connie. It's a pleasure to be here. You've developed your interior design approach that you share in your book, The. B- Bajaro method rooms have no feelings first of all how'd you come up with the name and tell us about your book well the name
3: came from it's an acronym of my maiden name the first two letters of my maiden name so I made it up and the funny thing is when I went to get the dot com Bajaro.com it wasn't available somebody had it already Really? so I'm here I thought I was so original yeah, so, yeah. so I'm I'm I changed it to thebajaromethod.com,
1: and it just made it easier. In your book, you talk about early in life that like you're an only child. Your parents owned an antique business. Yes. Can you share about them what you learned from well, watching them?
3: Well, first of all, in the, in the beginning of the book, I credit my parents for mm. teaching me about beauty, and antiques are beautiful. And I didn't always love antiques. As a little girl, I wanted to play toys. And I remember I I must have been about six years old, and I admired a picture, a very expensive picture. It was a porcelain picture of a lady. And I said to my father, I like that. Well, he immediately gave it to me. <laughs> he what a was sweet so th- dad. well. He was so thrilled nice that dad. I finally liked an antique. Wow! <laughs> so, and I still have that picture today, and it means a great deal to me. Oh. So I grew up with beautiful things, and I appreciated them and learned the history. And uh, just to to go, it's not answering your question exactly, but when I turned about forty, uh, we bought a new home, and I sold every single antique. Really, was it hard to do that? Actually, it turned out not to be, but what I did was I had someone come in and purchase everything and I had the movers come and take everything out and I said, now when you get to your warehouse, do not pack anything Mm -hmm. to ship it. I want to wake up in the morning and see how I feel Mm -hmm. without those things that I've had with me all my life. And I woke up that morning and realized a sense of freedom and I realized a sense of self because those were my heritage But it wasn't me and it wasn't my taste so we moved into our new home and for about a year we had relatively no furniture obviously we had beds and some chairs and tables but nothing of great value and i had to discover all over again who i was and slowly but surely i evolved into a more contemporary style And I'm very happy to this day that we made that change. And my husband is, too.
1: (laughs) You know, one of the things we talked about before going on the air is how personalized this is. Mm -hmm. And I'll divert a little bit to the planned questions, but, you know, I've been through, my late husband and I have built two houses together, and we hired interior designers, and both different philosophies. But the first one came in and said, all right, this is how much I'm going to cost. This is what I'd like to do. This is, you know, give you a choice. And it got to the point where... It was almost like this is the room, way the room is. And my husband would go, that's not how I would live that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you want it in a magazine, but that's not how I want it to be. I, we're living here. He exactly. had to sort of fight for his right to have the house
3: that yeah. we wanted. It. and he's so right, because yeah. the name of the book is The Bajaro Method, and the tagline is rooms have no feelings, you do. Right, And it is all about you, because the room doesn't care how you decorate it. It doesn't care what furniture you put in it, what style but you do, you're living there and you need to be happy. And you use two words that I always use, which is nurture and support. That's what your home does for you, it yeah. nurtures you. When you walk in that door, you wanna take a deep breath and say, wow, I'm home, right. it feels good. Right. And you want to feel nurtured and supported for good health. You know, that you have to heal the day we're out there all day and we're, we're either hurting or healing in every environment. Mm-hmm and the hurting isn't so bad if we have at the end of the day a place to heal that hurt Mm -hmm. if it doesn't become a prolonged pain or suffering but as you heal at the end of the day in your home you become healthy again and ready to go back out the the next morning and what do you have there to heal you that's your choice and so many people relinquish that choice to a designer Mm -hmm. to a salesperson in a store to a neighbor when you ask a, 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 their opinion, or a parent. Mm-hmm. And those are all good at meeting advice, It's all good meeting advice, but really and truly, I call it your inner designer. It's, it's interior design, and I'm putting my hand on my chest right now, mm-hmm. uh, because that's the interior that you're really needing to, to look at and discover. Who are you on the inside? What does your interior really need to be happy and to feel productive? And
1: to like your home. Yeah, to really like it and it does change. You mentioned, you know, at the point where you didn't need the antiques anymore, you freed yourself from it and became more contemporary. And I look in my journey and I'll share it later about how just different homes that I've, different houses I've lived in. And after my husband died a year, a little bit over a year ago, the big house that we had was Tuscan. and Very old wood furniture, Henry Don, all that. And I, I would cry every day, I'd cry all the time, and it was no longer home, because he wasn't there. It was a big old house with lots of memories, beautiful furniture, and it was no longer home. And they would tell widows, don't do anything drastic the first year. But I said, I cannot live like this. It's a museum to our previous life. He would not want me to do that. So I sold it, and I, it sold pretty quickly. And I moved into a place that's in a high rise, that's contemporary. And i bought new furniture i went to z gallery it's just different taste and i know my late husband it would not be his taste but it's my taste Mm -hmm. and i think about the things we leave to our children i have several friends who were going to leave some furniture to their children and their kids go what did you i don't want this i don't want your dining set that's your your china that's your stuff right don't leave me that give me memories right I had another friend who had difficulty parting with her antiques that her parents gave. So what she did, you know, she put them away, but she photographed them. She says, I always have pictures. If I want to look back, here are the pictures. Otherwise, I release them. Uh, One of the things I did when I was saying goodbye to the house in Colorado back in February, and actually I did this with the house here in Arizona before it sold. I went into every room with white sage spray because sage cleanses. And I, I thank the room for the memories and, and all the good things that happened. And I said, I release you to the new owner. And I just wish that well. Just mm-hmm. release it. Just say goodbye. The memories were there. It, and it really is. We talk about energy, right? Mm-hmm. You talk about the energy of a room. Yes, and that was very kind of you to do that. It was kind to
3: yourself yeah. to, to give yourself peace about releasing those things so that now you have no regrets. And I think that's what people fear too, is regrets. And it's how you do something. It's not what you're doing, but how you're doing it. And
1: you did it in a beautiful way. Talk about your method. Can you walk through what's in your book so people can sort of get guidance about their homes and their workplace? Sure,
3: basically uh, there are three elements of the Bajaro method. And uh, they all uh, circle around the center of yourself. And the first one is understanding. It's about understanding yourself, understanding what you like, what we're talking about, and making choices of pieces that you would like to live with and see and have. Uh, The second one is to accept, which is what you did really with your sage. Um, you, You accepted that you needed to release this and you did it very kindly. And it's a matter of accepting this is what I like, what I don't like, how much it's going to cost, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it. And the last one is allowing, which is to actually allow all that to happen. And that can be hard sometimes, but when you're decorating, you are allowing people into your home to do work, which is also sometimes uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You're allowing your designer, if you're working with a designer or purchasing, you have a budget, you just have to understand all that, accept all that, and then allow it to happen. And it's a process. And it's not easy. And you know, you talk about fun and having fun. And when you talk about design, it can be very stressful. Yes. And yes. not be very much fun. So the I, I, the, my biggest compliment when I go to work with a client at the end of the day, when we say goodbye, if the client says bye, Barbara, it was fun, that then I know I've had a good day. Right. And right. it's not about Making something beautiful because that is easy to do. There's tremendous beauty in the world, and to create that is easy, but it's not as easy to create that for an individual. They have to feel personally involved in that beauty and creation. And so, uh, make it fun for somebody. Put a smile on your face, and you enjoy things so much more. If it becomes stressful, if it becomes a burden, if it becomes heavy, don't do it. Right. Right. Just don't do it. Don't then do something's it. not right. Follow your gut. Follow your instinct. And if, if you have to ask somebody else, if you like something, then you don't like it.
1: Well, what do you do with
3: couples? Do you ever
1: have couples that don't agree on how they want to do? The Absolutely. House? That's
3: the most asked question, and I think it's in the book, and I call it One and One Equals Three, (laughs) where there is one person and the other person, and when you come together, you create that third style. You each have your own, but when you come together, you're creating something new. You're creating something unique to the relationship and it requires dialogue it t- requires having conversation with each other i very often encourage i have discoveries uh free discoveries on my website and in the book and where you answer questions about design and how you want the process to be and what choices you want and i encourage couples to do it by themselves
4: mm-hmm.
3: and then come together and share their thoughts and they're very often surprised that they do have common likes and common dislikes, and find a, a, a third way to work it out so that both of them are happy.
1: So, do you get requests for, say, come into my house? I'm going to set up my home office. Like right now, people are saying, "Oh my gosh, I've got to put work at home. How do I make how do I make this a happy, productive, comfortable place?" Sure, for me? sure. Well. I think with an office,
3: productive is very important and uh, happy, of course. And so um, I think you have to look at the necessities first. You need a desk. You need a chair. Uh, If you're working at a sofa, you're probably not having good posture. You're not doing your body a favor. So ergonomics do come into this. And it's important that you find a comfortable way to sit. So in movement, uh, I have uh, as a matter of fact, I have 50 uh, uh, absolute things that are critical to a hel- healthy happy work environment. And I'll be happy to share it with anybody who wants to contact me about that. And part of it is that um, you have to you have to find what fits your body because what I'm comfortable in you won't be comfortable in. And so there are many aspects to look, for your body and your comfort. Then you want, what are you looking at all day? Are you looking, when you're on the telephone, what are you looking at? It? Is there a picture hanging in that space that you like or don't like? What color are the walls? What's the carpet? Mm-hmm. You know, What is the lamp that you're using? What kind of lighting do you have in there? Those are the things that you really have to think from a productive standpoint. And when you're, you're comfortable with those things, you are happier. And there's fun, too. I have a lot of whimsy in my office. and makes me smile. And there's a word that I've recently discovered. Uh, It's it's biophilic. I have found out that I'm a biophilic. What is a biophilic? (laughs) A biophilic is someone who needs nature. It's someone who needs to look at nature, to touch nature, to have nature. And now during the pandemic, I just realized I have six plants on my desk good for you (laughs) and i move them right also you know i'll water them i'm on the phone i'll touch them and it just makes me feel really good and uh, i think that you have to learn about yourself again it goes back to the bajaro method understanding accepting and allowing don't fight what you know feels good and what you want give it to yourself and and the the important thing to remember too is because money is always question about everything we do. It doesn't have to cost more to make yeah. the decisions for you. Just make the right decisions.
1: You know, I think what happens is you, you, you're you in a lot of ways, I call you the room whisperer, the house <laughs> whisper, because a lot of people underestimate themselves. They go, "How mm-hmm. do I know? I am not a designer. I need to hire somebody, pay them a lot of money, so they can tell me what I need." I know, but you do know because you're not comfortable with it. You each each have your own taste. Yes. You know, Marie Kondo was had a mm-hmm. bestseller where she would sort through things and mm-hmm. unclutter. And does this spark joy? And when I put something in a room now, I, I, after reading your book, I go, "Does this make me smile?" Mm-hmm. I like how you yes. bring up whimsy and something because wh- I like. To surround myself yes. with, whim- you know, things that uh, make me smile. I have lots of framed photos of my kids and my grandkids because that's there and on my desk. The photo I'm looking at during the day is a photo of myself and my husband. Yeah. I have lots of because it just makes me smile. Exactly, exactly. Um, Whimsy is very important. Goes with fun. Yeah, it's the humor in that, mm, and it's yes. a childlike quality. Yes, and it feels good to you, mm-hmm. and you can see it. So we're going to pause for a quick break and we'll be back with Barbara Kaplan to talk more about the Bajaro method and and how to make your environment something that feeds your soul and your spirit and make you creative and also get some work done too. <laughs> so stay tuned on Dr. Connie's house call with Barbara Kaplan.
4: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor?
2: When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States?
0: You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today.
4: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: tuned in to house calls with former white house physician dr connie mariano if you have a question or comment for our show today please call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's one 346 9141 you may also send an email to dr connie radio at gmail.com that's dr connie radio at gmail.com now back to house calls with dr connie
1: Welcome back to Dr. Connie's House Calls. We've got Barbara Kaplan, who is the author of The Bajaro Method, Rooms Have No Feelings, You Do. She is an interior design guru who has a wonderful approach about making rooms individualized, personalized. She really sort of sherpas your way into accepting the rooms. Uh, you know. And it's it's not to criticize contemporary interior designers, because I think they've come up with a lot of ideas that You know, when we've worked with designers, they say, have you considered this? And they'll give you an assortment of things that you would have never considered. And, you know, your approach is you're educators. You're educating us, right?
3: Yes, very much so. We have to show clients what they can't know without us. That's our role. It's not to make them do something, but it's to just take them places that they haven't been on their own and to show them the possibilities that are available to them to make educated choices. So do you have a home office? I have a home office. What is it? What is it like for you? How do you? Wow, my home office is all white—white floor, white walls, white furniture, white chairs. Everything white. Luminosa. Yes, and uh, I think I sometimes ask myself why I have so much white because my whole house is pretty white. Well, you're wearing white right now. Well, (laughs) yes, and I like to wear white, but I think it's because I work with so much color. I always say, "Color is my life." Yeah. and I can't live without color however at in my home I just need some peace from that color and I do bring lots of color in in different ways it could be in flowers uh, it, it's usually in things that aren't permanent and um, I just have a lot of color in my life every day and coming home feels good to have less color
1: so you've got lots of what you know I think of Steve Jobs who there were, what, 27 shades of white, and he was very particular about <laughs> yes. the iPhone, the Apple phone, what shade of white it yes. had to be. Yes,
3: and in connection with that, um, you know, everybody sees color differently, mm-hmm. and what he saw may not be what we see. Exactly. So it was just important to him, and he... Uh, he could do that.
1: Talk about movement. Our physical
3: movement, but things in your office? Yes. You know that? Well, you know, I believe movement is so important um, that nothing happens till something moves, is what I believe Einstein said. And um, we just need to keep moving and not be stagnant. And I, I know there are some homes that I've been in, even my own clients, where 20 years later, nothing has moved. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: the there's, there's one, yes,
3: and there's one client that I think of very often because she's been a 20-year-old client over the uh, consistently. We've done different things, but her husband says to her, oh, I see Barbara's been here today because something was moved. You mean <laughs> and, furniture well, or something on a could, shelf? Yeah, anything, just whatever strikes me. Because, you know, every time I walk into a space, I see something different, ah. and I would challenge you that it would be the same for you as well that we do look in a different place. We do mm. something, see something different. And we are different. Our moods are different. Yeah. And uh, you talked about age and how we, how we change. And at, at, at different ages, we have different things that are important to us. So now flowers, plants are more important to mm-hmm. me where maybe before a painting would have been more important. So, and, and it's a celebration of yourself yeah. to see how
1: you've evolved. Well it's it's you bring the right things because our homes in reflect us. If you can photograph yes. and I you know, I'm looking back and I'm gonna share with you because you're you're my therapist here. If you're doing <laughs> this, my, my whole journey of as I was I was growing the first house I lived in, I don't even remember because it was in the Philippines with my parents. And then for the first eighteen years of my life was military military housing. Oh. So that wasn't really your home, it was temporary quarters, yes. as they say temporary quarters. But, you know, what was home, really, a lot was in the kitchen because my mother was cooking and the things that, I guess the thing that stayed on was the rice cooker and then the furniture. But I think back in the 60s where they had the nice living room that was covered in plastic and you had to take <laughs> off your shoes and you couldn't sit there. Right. It was and like it was... crinkled when you, right. when you moved. <laughs> and and your, your skin of your buttocks would stick to it. and So it was like, it was uncomfortable. It was sure. pretty, and it was uncomfortable. And you look at how you change and you evolve and you, and you grow with that and then... So when I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18, went to college. I lived in the dorm, so that was sort of dictated. And then after the dorm, let's say went to med school. So I had my first apartment in Silver Spring, Maryland. It was a tiny little, tiny little uh, one-bedroom, one-bath apartment, second floor. And I went out with my mother to buy furniture in Silver Spring, and it was like the cheapest furniture you can get, right? Well, it and wasn't a, important either. Wasn't important. I was a, I was a you, med you, student. you were studying for your as career. long as I had a desk and a good chair, that was important, and that was it. And I had I brought my parents old bed with me. That was, and then and then when I got married, we uh, we moved to a high rise, and then still kept a lot of things. Then after we got married, and then that was oh 1979 with my first marriage. Then went for internship in San Diego. We bought a townhouse in near actually closer to La Jolla, but it was a small two two-story townhouse. And then we started getting a little bit of furniture. You start accumulating stuff, right? And it's interesting as you as you age, as you accumulate stuff, you get to the point you've got too much stuff. Now I got I got rid of this stuff. I got to simplify. So I got the townhouse. Then when I went on board ship. Uh we rented that out, moved to, a, bought a condo in North and Irvine. He worked out of that. I went on board ship for two years, then came back, moved back to the townhouse. Then when it was finished residency, moved up to Port Wyneme. We went to three different houses in Westlake Village, never bought a house, moved to different houses, depending on where we were with our family. So our decision was where we are in that life cycle. We were raising children, so it had to be a certain type of configuration, certain size, had to be close to the office for me and his LA office, so location, just functionality, right? Yeah,
3: and you know, that's another word that is very important when it comes to design, and that's lifestyle. Yeah. You know, our lifestyle is ever-changing, and you just talked about all the
1: different lifestyles oh, that you had. And that just is the whole what spectrum. dictates the design. And you're a different person. So yes. then then as the kids were, after they were born, I moved back to San Diego. And we sold the townhouse eventually and bought a house in an old neighborhood, three houses down from my mom and dad. Mm. So I bought a bigger four-bedroom four house d- close to parents so they could be near the kids. Then we got stationed in Washington, D.C., finally sold that house, rented. I never bought a place when I lived in D.C. for nine years. We rented because mm-hmm. we were never going to live there full time. Then moved to Arizona in 2001, <laughs> bought a house where we were excited because we had a pool. And we thought we, It was the biggest house we ever lived. In. It was 4,000 square feet. We were excited. We thought we made it big. It was great. And my kids had a pool to go to. They were in high school. And then my husband realized, as I don't like driving the kids back and forth to school, why don't we sell this, move to another house closer (laughs) to the school, so they didn't have to, you know, go so far. So now, you know, we moved into the neighborhood of the school, uh, just as large a house, bigger pool, close to school, and then I left him. Not really because of the house, but (laughs) it was that time that was time to move on. It was time to move. And one of the questions I asked Mm -hmm. him was, You know, we were doing well. This house is paid up. Do you want to move to a bigger house up north? He goes, no, I don't want to move to a bigger house. I said, you know what? You know, you you realize you sort of outgrow each other, and you don't see the same future. So it was one of the reasons. I said, you know, it's time for me to move on. So we separated. I leased a house up north close to my office for about six months, and then the lady was going to sell it. Then I bought a house on my own. I've never bought a house uh, as the only signer. So I bought a house on my own after I had gotten a divorce. Lived in that house for about four years. In the midst of that, right after my divorce, fell in love, got married to the love of my life, who was a CEO at the time. And then we built a house together. He had built other houses. We built a house that was about 11,000 square feet, Tuscan, big house, lots of room, filled it with lots of things. He liked big parties. It was a party house, perfect party house. But it felt like ceremonial. It was like at the White the White House is not the White Home, <laughs> it's ceremonial. There's history, and so we filled it with beautiful things. But most of the time we spent was either in our bedroom, our individual offices, or in the theater. It never felt like home to me. It was home because he was there, and then when he died, you know, it was no longer home. And so I moved out, uh, sold it, gave things away, and put stuff in storage, and then rented currently renting a place which I love, which I want to buy. And then I'm building a house up north in Sedona, where I've always loved that. And it's totally different. It's contemporary. <laughs> it's, it, it would not have been my, my late husband's idea, but it's, it's me. It's me. And so I am a different person moving into this mm-hmm. house than I was when I moved out of my parents' house. My goodness, how many years ago was that? So uh-huh. we evolve. I mean, we change. You certainly have.
3: And yeah. look at all look at look at all the different stages you've yeah. been through, and that's that's the expression of who you are today now, and what does this say about you today
1: now? You're doing a new home, yeah. and how are you
3: incorporating you know, that?
1: You know, I have friends who are interior designers, and and when I went to to pick out the finishes in the new home. It, they said, oh, well, a lot, six hours. We got it done in three hours. It was mm-hmm. like, I know what I like, this is what I like. And then I looked back at what I picked, and some of them were, the some of the finishes, like the flooring and the handles, were like what I had in the other house, little bits and pieces. And so it'll be it'll be fun. I'm gonna make it fun when I move into the new house because I'm bringing some of the old, and then I'll have to decide what I'd like for new, like mm-hmm. a new bedroom set. The downstairs will have the old sofa set if that works. Just sort of shake it up a little yeah, bit. See
3: what the past means to
1: you yeah. and how you can bring that with you today. And I think it's hard letting go of the past. I mean, I have huge portraits of us. Mm-hmm. Our, what do you do? What do We well, have clients with your, your for, first of all, your wedding photos from previous. I mean, I can't, my wedding photos from my, my late husband, I can't throw oh, that away. No. I have portraits. I mean, I put them in storage. I put them in a closet. I mean, That's a tough question. I can't let go of those. I yet. wish I had the the yeah. remedy
3: for that. That's probably one of the answers I just don't have. What do you do? I think it's soul-searching, and, yeah. and it's, as you're saying, and, and one day you're ready to release it, and today you may not be and may never be. So it doesn't matter. I think the important thing is that you don't make it a problem, right. that you just find a temporary solution for it, and not let it weigh you down and stop you from being who you are today. That's right. really the key. So many people live in the with the past. Not in the past, but with the, with past. the past. They bring it with them, yeah. and it holds them back. It, it, it's, you have to make space. You know, we talk about movement, mm-hmm. and we're moving constantly, and it's about moving yourself into a new place and moving your, your items into it, your personal items, your... You're looking at your health today. Looking at your interests today. Do you want to travel? Do you want that much to take care of? There's so many new things to think about that you can make decisions. And you know, if you're not ready to let something go, yeah. don't. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't and don't find a go. place for it. And. Um, the answers will come.
1: Amazing. You've actually given me a lot of comfort with that. Talk, talk about Zoom also. Oh, Zoom. What you're doing I'm with loving your, Zoom. <laughs> yeah, tell me about
3: what your Great. What clients are doing. Very getting? quickly, Zoom is my pivot in my design firm, and I am helping people create their Zoom room. Uh, I have my website, yourzoomroom.com, and uh, I'm just working with people for maybe a half <clears throat> excuse me, for about a half hour uh, at a time, and that may be all they need to create the background that could be improved and their, their physical positioning uh, to make them more comfortable. You know, you, you have to be comfortable when you're on that screen, mm-hmm. and people are staring at you for a long length of time and you're staring at them. It's not the same as being in a room where you're moving around, looking around, and just have other distractions. You, this is a very focused way of talking. You're broadcasting. You're broadcasting. You're broadcasting. Think, just take every newscaster you've ever right, seen. Right. Right. Put yourself in that screen. But remember that those newscasters are only on for a few minutes, and you have a lot of commercial interruptions. <laughs>
1: can we pause for commercials That's so I can right. have a sandwich? You know, maybe we
3: should suggest commercials yes. for Zoom. At least just a rest. We take, you know, breaks. Exactly. Maybe we do need a for rest a time. Break or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so there's a lot of things, and I have, you know, these questions that a lot of people have asked me, and I have a lot of answers put together. So if people want to contact me on the website. How can they reach you? Um, us your how well, that website is yourzoomroom.com, okay. and uh, the information of contact is there, and all my websites they can contact me on, including barbarakaplan.com,
1: bajaromethod.com, and of course barbara's stuff which I love. Which, listen, I think we're almost at the end of our show. This time has gone by so fast, even in this little studio with the little egg crates. But still, the fact that your energy projects and you projects, and you've got such a great philosophy about homes and rooms and spaces, because that really is a reflection of us on the exterior, how we're feeling. So thank you for coming today for our show and and helping out our listeners into making their own special space. Well, it was truly my pleasure. And I would just like to leave everybody with rooms have no feelings. You do. All right. You've heard it on Dr. Connie's Mm -hmm. House Calls. So have a wonderful week and a wonderful month. And we'll we'll be with you next month on House Calls. God bless. (coughs)